Welcome to the Barracks Podcast. Welcome to the Barracks Podcast. Welcome to the Barracks Podcast. Featuring Amanda Keene and Kirsten Kotsian. The views, comments, statements, and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the official position of the Salvation Army. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Hey, hey what's up? Hey, what's up? <laughs> um, how you doing, Kiri? I'm good. It's raining over here. It's like raining a lot. It was like pouring rain. See, this was a thing. I had to go spend a bunch of money on food for food pantry, which is a great thing. Like that is not a complaint. Um, but I also like, it was not raining when I went in and when I was coming out with all of the food, it was pouring. So I'm like, of course, of course that would happen. (laughs) Did you, what did you do? I just, I, I had to unload, I had to load the car in the rain. I mean, what was I going to do? Oh, it's raining. I'm just going to leave the stuff here. Like, <laughs> I probably um, would have been like, oh man, I'm going to just stand here in the door. <laughs> some people were waiting and I'm like, no, this is not a fun game. Cause you don't know how long you could be standing here for half an hour. Yeah. So anyway, um, but welcome everybody. We're, we're excited to continue the conversation uh, that we've been having over the last Three episodes. I think um, our last episode we heard from um, Rick Garcia. We heard from Robin Heather Dolby. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard from Jaken. Um, who is that? It and then us. Oh, and the Brudos and the Brudos and Bill and Taylor Brudo. This is really like I'm having to use my memory here. It happened a long time ago for us. It did, it did happen a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but that was, we're just really enjoying having these conversations and we know that they're important. Um, you know, in the, in the church, I think in general, uh, spanning all of the denominations, but specifically yeah. as we look at the Salvation Army, uh, what does life look like? Um, after this shared experience we've all had. Um, and we have some very, very special guests here with us today. So <laughs> without further ado, I feel like I should have a drum roll. Jane, insert drum roll, please. <laughs> um, but we have commissioners Brad and Heidi Bailey with us today. So welcome, commissioners. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, we're happy to be Lots here. This program. Yes, we're so excited to have you. Um, I'm going to have you really just introduce yourselves. I mean, we, I'm sure probably for the most part, um, listeners know who you are, but kind of give us an insight into um, maybe a little deeper than just commissioners. Whatever you want to tell us, we'd love to hear. So, um, Mm -hmm. Commissioner Heidi, do you want to start? Sure. Well, um, my name's Heidi, and I used to be a hugger. Uh, before COVID-19. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm hoping to return to that role uh, soon. Uh, I've been in love with and married to the same man for how many years, honey? 42? Coming up on 42? Two. Yeah. And God has uh, blessed our lives together and we've had shared ministry. Um, I am the senior commissioner uh, by one day. Uh, <laughs> now, how many people know that, right? Oh, it because, sounds like more time. Say 24 hours. <laughs> because uh, because I have two more years of service than him. That's actually how that happened. But anyway, we, uh, we've had a great, great life as Salvation Army officers. Um, we could 
write a book as all Salvation Army officers could. And um, anyway, God has been good. We have our um, two daughters, Danielle and Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay is here in Chicago, about 40 miles from our house. And then Danielle is married to Jeremy Rowland, and uh, she has um, kidnapped our two grandchildren, and they are there in Atlanta. So uh, we don't see them often, but um, it's it's a great great family to be a part of. So and, and yeah, and I'm uh, at THQ. Um, you know, I'm part of the leadership team t- with Brad and with uh, Janice and Steve Howard, and uh, I have had since. Um, a few months ago now, the additional appointment of being territorial leader for leader development. So uh, mainly that is my responsibility. And Major um, Jolene Hull is handling uh, women's ministries. And uh, so it's it's all good. And I'm learning a lot of things, uh, really trying to work with uh, TEC, our Territorial Executive Council, uh, through uh, pastoral care, through leadership development, and um, it's been really fun uh, developing relationships, uh, deepening relationships with that team. Mm. I'm not doing the interview, but you might want to add also a little bit of your experience as part of the um, IMASIC internationally and what you're doing there. Okay. Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm waiting for one of the two girls to say uh, we're asking the questions, right? No, we, we want to hear it. So tell us. <laughs> no. Uh, for, well, uh, the IMASIC is the International Moral and Social Issues Council, and the general appoints officers on a rotating basis, and you are appointed for a three-year uh, stint of time. Actually, I'm just coming up on the close of my time, uh, the end of this year. So mm-hmm. we meet twice a year in London, and the major role of that commission is to really respond to the general's wishes in terms of developing new international positional statements. And so territories can write in, um, he can decide, I'd like this one done, and he actually decides whether the suggestion will go forward, and then it's given to the commission, and we we work through it there in, in smaller groups. So that's been an awesome experience. It's officers, it's soldiers, very international. Um, we have right now Zimbabwe, Malawi, uh, Rwanda, uh, Norway, uh, the States, uh, and on it goes. So it's 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 really um, a very uh, enriching experience as well. That's amazing. Yeah, I I did not realize yeah. that that was a thing. Like I yeah. think I, I I had heard of that like committee or whatever you want to call it, but I didn't know the ins and outs of that. So that was really yeah. interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Last um, time he was there in London, it was in March when COVID hit. And actually the day that uh, she was to travel back was the day that uh, um, President Trump had said that the borders were closed. And so I wrote to Heidi and said, you better... Wake up and get a, up. get on a plane as quickly as possible. Then other things morphed into other things, but uh, so she was fine. But just a sidebar to that, um, one of her colleagues from Africa specifically mm-hmm. uh, uh, was also in London and mm-hmm. uh, didn't have the opportunity to leave on time and has just, and so was really, in essence, locked out of their oh. country. And she's, still, uh, just, she's still in London. She's wow. Still in London. Still mm-hmm. in London. And I uh, can't get back into her own life and back home. And uh, she's a medical doctor. She had to leave everything on hold. 
and it's still on hold. So uh, sometimes we don't think about that. That's going on almost, uh, what, two months, three months? Yeah. It canceled every flight she had, and she's now on for July 1. So it's like maybe in a month. Right. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. And it might be canceled also. Right. Because yeah, it has to do with her country's airspace mm-hmm. rules as well. Not, you know, not just London's, but the UK right. has been hit very hard. So it's been um, really tough. Yeah. Oh, my word. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm Brad. Brad Bailey. Hey. <laughs> commander. But uh, let's see. Uh, all the things that Heidi said, I, I guess, are ditto for me in terms of from the moment we were married on. So all those grandchildren that she has, we share, <laughs> and uh, lovingly so. Um, when people ask me about about me, it's it, I, I think I, I tend to concentrate real quickly on on where I came from. Where I came from was a country very far away from here that has more of an influence on me than sometimes I, I imagine. And, even, and as I get older, I find that it has even more influence on me than before. Mm-hmm. I was born in, uh, in the middle of the driest desert in the world, in Antofagasta, Chile. My parents had gone there as single officers, and they uh, courted there, and they were married there. They began their family there. And when they came back home for the first time on furlough, they came back as a married couple and with two grandchildren. Um, so quite productive first few years of missionary service. <laughs> wow. Wait, how many years? Two they... children, not grandchildren. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Their children, my grandparents, their grandchildren. <laughs> I was thinking, like, more sense. they have been there a really long time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, all that to say is that it, uh, I think the, the way I, my, a big part of my makeup in terms of how I approach life and uh, the world, and even as I've approached faith and relationships uh, have been, in a large, large part motivated, maybe even dictated by mm-hmm. that experience. You know, then, then we went back as a family a couple of times to maybe even seal that original experience of being born and raised in Chile. And I think it, give, it has allowed me uh, the blessing of uh, perhaps a broader perspective in terms of uh, people groups and uh, relationships and, and the ways we are so similar and the ways we are slightly different. Mm-hmm. And yet every one of us made in the image of God, and that has certainly influenced uh, our appointments in our life and I think our, our journey uh, and the choices that we've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Kiri, you want to lead us into the... She's always like trying to tell I always, you know what? stuff out loud. Everybody <laughs> knows. I, I, I try to... To you, Like, I, like I, I see what you're saying, but I'm also like, is that what she's saying? She makes it awkward every single time. Every time. I think so, she would learn. No, well, I'm just kidding. You know, I'm 30-something years old. Yeah, you can well, start new things. Not sure. I don't know. I brought, I didn't take that <laughs> class in school. Um, <laughs> reading facial expressions. <laughs> but 
So I, I think, is it okay if we start with the third question, our third yeah. question? Okay. So we wanted to hear from you guys about what are the struggles and the good things about being at THQ during this coronavirus crisis, the COVID-19 crisis. So um, when, you know, everybody on the field, right, we have our perspective. I know what it's like to be in my position here at the Croc Center in Green Bay. Amanda knows what it's like to be a core officer in Gary, Indiana. Gary, is it? Gary. It's not Gary Maryville. No, in Gary. Well, okay, yeah, it's the Gary Maryville core. Okay, yeah. okay, but yeah. it's in Gary. But it's in Gary. Yeah. So each of us, like, we know our place and our experience, and so it's always nice to hear like other perspectives, other sides, and so just kind of having that in perspective of like what has uh, you know, what are those unique struggles at THQ that you guys have been going through? And like, what are some of the good things about that? Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because you, 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 you defined it by saying all of us know our place. And actually what changed was our place for us. That's, that's what changed. Um, other things have, uh, remain somewhat the same in terms of what our responsibilities are and how we approach those responsibilities, but from a different place, which in many ways has helped to unclutter a little bit, what we actually are wanting to do and desire to do as part of our responsibility or appointment or ministry, whatever word you want to use to define that. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest change is that at THQ, there's nobody there, except for a few, a few people in the finance department maybe, but uh, we're all in our different other places uh, doing what we have uh, been given the opportunity to do in these days. Um, I have a, few, a little bit more to share in that, but I think Heidi has a few insights on that. Well, I think it's an interesting question uh, of which we don't spend too much time ever really thinking about or trying to verbalize our answer because, you know, we all salute and we take our appointment and we dig in and, um, we just march forward and then you're out of that appointment and you hardly have had a chance to figure out what were the struggles and what were the good things. But I feel for me, uh, COVID-19 has only reinforced mm. what I would have been able to define as some struggles um, already there. I had a chance to work this through once in an Aero leadership uh, small group and I was able to think about it. And so for me, um, professionally speaking or with my appointment just striving to keeping striving to keep connected with the realities of the field while being physically distanced uh, none of that is anybody's fault it's just the reality of it and so that manifests itself like in a way where you want to make sure that you're not being consumed by your administrative responsibilities which are your responsibility to complete um, while at the same time you know, trying to keep some semblance of, of connection with the field. And, and the part B of that, which is probably personally the most difficult, is dealing with the lack of a weekly community. Um, and this isn't just COVID, but for the whole year of our normal days, uh, like being at our home core. Um, uh, due to the extensive traveling that we do, uh, we're hardly ever there. And then um, you know, when we're there, we're just in and out and, and um, just 
we love to travel because that's where we get to meet and connect with people on the field. Um, but you always miss uh, that consistent congregational community experience. Um, and that's the burden of the appointment. The blessing is the traveling and getting to know people on the field. And uh, the burden is you kind of miss personally, how am I going to feed myself? Um, I can't get involved in a Bible study. Um, I think COVID has opened up some digital opportunities that we might see. Um, you could even do those live at the core and those who can't be there could come in digitally. So, uh, you know, yeah, those are my main my main struggles. Uh, certainly they do not overpower me or um, send me into a sadness spin. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what I felt. I've been in administration for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So the lack of community as we once knew it, um, and especially when we were core officers, um, you know, it was all community and you kind of couldn't, you know, you, maybe you needed a day off from community. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's very different. When, when March 17th hit, which was the day for THQ, when we said we need to shut down uh, coming together as a larger group uh, uh, for the sake of everybody's health, um, we had actually done it because it was a, a concern, a scare at THQ that somebody had perhaps been in a situation that involved a positive COVID-19 experience that didn't turn out to be the case. But that's really what generated uh, a a kind of an intense move to what can we do to keep everybody self. But it was very interesting to me that shortly afterward, that meant everybody went home and we, everybody that couldn't work from home in terms of machinery, we tried to make sure that people had an op- a possibility of working from home and continuing their, their responsibilities. But there was an interesting major re- reaction by all of us, which was very good, and which was, we don't want to be here and we don't want to be in our homes. We really want to be out on the field. I mean, it was almost instantaneous. So things started happening really quickly within the community of THQ. One is, is everybody ready to go on EDS? Well, some of us were and some of us weren't. So one of the first actions that all of us took is all of us got on our computers and did the training. All of us, from Heidi, myself, and the chief's cabinet, everybody. And then we programmed opportunities to go out and to be on the field almost immediately. It was, it was kind of, I say knee jerk, maybe it was a heart jerk or spirit jerk reaction, which there was a sense in us that it wasn't enough to just continue down the same path for right now. We wanted to break with that, and we felt it in our spirits, and we wanted to go and come alongside some folks, drove food vans across the Chicago area. We did did that as well, made as, as much contact as you could in this world today, but it felt like we just wanted to be out. We wanted to be on the field. We wanted to, and I think that's in essence speaks to who we are. We might have very administrative responsibilities, but I think who we are um, was triggered in that moment. And it was, it was beautiful to see. Now, you know, we couldn't do that for very, very long without, you know, letting go of those response people knocking at the door or at least calling up the phone saying I need an answer for this but it was it was beautiful to see it's interesting how sometimes we uh when when we have the opportunity of being involved in the lives of others or to build community 
And we have the opportunity, and there's a freedom to do that. Sometimes we push back against that. But the moment that something happens and somebody says, no, you cannot do that now, which is what COVID-19 said to us physically, it's almost like there's something in us that, that rises up and says, but this is actually what I do want to do. And I'm wondering that in, that in those moments, whether uh, it kind of filtered out the fluff a little bit. Um, and there's fluff. There's fluff in our lives, in our lives as officers, in our lives as Christians. And I think it helped filter out what really was important to us. Now, we still have responsibilities to take care of. Um, and yet, I think we were able to concentrate on what really is m more missional at times. And, you know, let's be honest, there are some things that we do on a daily basis, some are more missional than others. There are responsibilities that have to be fulfilled, but we define them that way. So um, I think it's been a nice thing. I think we're ready to come back and be together as much as we can be. I think we really do miss that sense of community. But I think that there have been some pretty important, positive things that might stay on for longer, even though we might physically come together again. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think so. And um, thank you for sharing all of that. It's, it's definitely helpful for me just to kind of hear like what's been going on. Um, you know, you guys know that Kiri and I have had um, the privilege of being appointed to THQ for a bit. Uh, so we've, you know, we kind of have a bit of an inside look, um, which is helpful you know, coming back to a core, it, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now, and I, both of you touched on this, it's, I have never experienced what I'm experiencing now at the core level. Like mm -hmm. this is, it is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, in Gary, like it, it feels a lot like a war zone. Like mm -hmm. it's just people who are already oppressed Yes. Um, are even more oppressed. Yes. Um, yes. And it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's hard yes. and you can start to, and I'm just, I'll be very real. I think, you know, across the board, you could start to feel like great disconnects when it comes to, you know, core level. And then you're like, well, what is DHQ doing? And then what is THQ doing? And um, you start to feel like, man, I'm like, go in every single day trying to like do my stuff and trying to serve my community and like, where's everybody else? Like, you know, um, and that's not everybody is trying to figure stuff out. Right. But I, I say all that to say that it's, it's so good to hear that the reaction was like, I'm going to go out, you know, like I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on EDS. I'm going to go, you know, whatever visit or help a core do whatever. Um, I, I love to hear you guys say that that was the reaction. Like it's encouraging to me. And what we kind of have discovered, of course, is stay at home or shelter at home has had no meaning or effect for our Salvation Army officers. Mm -hmm. um, and we realize that very deeply. And the idea of asking other officers to do things that, you know, one is not willing to do is, is not the way an army works. And so um, there's so much appreciation for the creativity and the flexibility and the, 
the passion that we have seen from the field. And um, yeah, we're, we're pretty sure that will springboard us into what's next. Mm-hmm. And um, so we do. We salute the field and um, our officers who we know are weary. Uh, Brad and I have been able to connect by Zoom with several of the divisions when they meet with their DCs uh, once a week. And, um, you know, every every time we'd meet, it's like they're, they're looking a little more weary, a little more weary. Because this, I think, has gone on way longer on one hand than people understood. Uh, you know, clearly the novelty has worn off. And uh, we are all anxious now to to know what's next. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, kudos to kudos to the field. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, another reaction. Another reaction was the words of encouragement. Not sure what were, uh, that we started setting up at first. You know, that that was another heart jerk reaction. Wanted to speak out and and, and encourage the field or whoever was willing to listen. I I, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, Heidi and I, I recall early on, we put a couple of things together just because we felt like we needed to to share uh, the burden and the heaviness of this together with with the field and with wh- whomever was willing to listen. And then realizing that there were others around us, not physically, but around us at THQ that really had a word as well and felt same way, which is why we ended up uh, sharing that words of encouragement with many other couples and many other people, singles as well, um, uh, that were on the THQ staff in one way or the other that had a word, you know, and all of us can have a word and need, we need to be attentive to the word that somebody gives to my brother and sister, also for me at that time. And uh, it was a way, another way to serve the field, even from far away. And I know for a fact that those who participated, which were most of the folks at THQ, they counted it a privilege. They they came back and said, thank you for the opportunity to do this, not in an empty kind of way, but in a really, uh, in, in a really thoughtful way. And they paid a lot of attention to what the words that they used mm-hmm. and not flippant ideas, I, th- I, I think, um, not flippant words, but really meaningful, well thought out thoughts. Um, I love, you know, I, I would still remember and comment on many of them. I think Catherine hit it out of the park in terms of her call to action in the midst of all of this. I think Ketsia also presented just a, 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 a word picture of what this means to her and what it's meaning to us. And and I could go down the line, but uh, that was another way, a uh, small way that THQ could hopefully be helpful. Yeah, that's good. I think, um, you know, there's going into the next question, there has been this like, um, great increase obviously in internet presence, like online presence, whether that's Facebook, all kinds of social media, zoom, um, all of that. And, and I, I love it because it's like we had to we had to figure out really quickly how to navigate this which is probably something we could have and maybe even should have been doing before um but it kind of just propelled us forward to to get it done but there have been a lot of um i think really meaningful conversations um i don't know if you have heard any of Marion Platt Um, some of his conversations have been super meaningful and, 
Um, I know even Matt Aho has been doing a lot of stuff online. Um, we've been trying to put out some, um, podcast episodes. It just, I mean, there's a lot. Um, has there any, have you, in the things you've been listening to, um, and even church services or things that you've tuned into, are there any takeaways that you have from any of that? Anything that kind of stuck with you that you're like, yeah, like that, that makes a lot of sense or that really resonates with me. Hmm. Yeah. We'd love to hear takeaways. I'll go, I'll go first this time. Um, go for it. You're absolutely true. It's absolutely true. It's just springboarded forward. And I think people were still wanting to communicate, but I, I think it's, it, 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 it is something much deeper than this idea of now becoming more virtual than we were before which obviously allows more people to be connected than before, obviously, gives us another platform, obviously. But you alluded to it just prior to that when you were talking about your own community, Amanda, which is, um, I think what uh, Marion and, we know Marion Everett well, they're uh, good people, good friends. Um, they, were, they were speaking uh, not, all, not about COVID necessarily. Mm-hmm. They were speaking, they were coming back, and they felt in their spirit that they needed to present a platform of conversation and sharing on issues that have been there all along and that mm-hmm. have been exacerbated by COVID-19 as they would be exacerbated by anything that comes up because we're already feeling like we are, we're not being heard, we're not being justly treated. Uh, People don't even know that we exist. Um, and certainly the themes of racial uh, prejudice, uh, inequalities, uh, as, as was the theme of one, the first, I think, broadcast that Marion and Ever did, certainly is the case. And it has only blown up even, even clearer, to, uh, in a clear way to us in these last few days. And we could talk about that as well. And then on marriage as well, those issues have already been there. They're just exacerbated as, as you're experiencing in your communities, those that have always found it a struggle to exist um, are, have always been there. And I think giving time to speak, uh, not to them and not for them, but with them, with all of us, has given a platform to say, hey, we are struggling in many areas. COVID-19 is just one of them. Mm-hmm. I think that if we're not careful, we miss that. And uh, we, we can't miss that. COVID-19 is an issue that's front and center. Of course it is. But we, I think the spirit, I think the spirit has given us an opportunity here to be awakened to things that we've always known are there, latent. And yet we need to step up and, uh, and be one with uh, the poor and downtrodden, those who are unjustly treated. That is our place. That's our place as Christians, I believe. But I think that is definitely our place as Christian salvationists. And those broadcasts have brought all of that to the forum and said, let's not forget this. And uh, certainly I have appreciated that very much. And I think that there's something to it for the future, for sure, no doubt about it. And I would respond not so much to the content uh, of the different uh, posts and podcasts, which have been excellent, but just the process of uh, dialoguing in this way 
Uh, I think it's helpful. Always, um, it's not always comfortable, um, but we shouldn't fear connecting uh, through any and all means that we can uh, to discuss these difficult topics, as long as respect and kindness are the ground rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to get better at this. Yes. We need to get much better at it. Um, I-, I would say, uh, since you can only hear me, not see me. Uh, just the things that are being said, um, commissioner Brad just put out a pretty stern post, um, in response to George Floyd's death. And, uh, we speak those words to the world. We speak those words to salvationists and we speak those words to Salvation Army officers. And any one of us who is found on the wrong side of this issue, uh, as we said in the post, you need to put everything on the table and do some reevaluation. We all need to check our biases and be honest with ourselves and with God. And um, I think this is very, very helpful. One person's comments can provoke uh, soul searching and a response from another person that they didn't realize that they needed to have. I wonder if uh, there has been a new felt freedom in digital communication. Uh, there are times when, uh, if you're not seeing each other or even if you are, you're still in another room in another house across town, you know? So I'm wondering if people have felt a freedom, uh, and I know this isn't new, uh, but, but for so many people to get involved in it of different generations and different areas of life. So sometimes, uh, face-to-face communication can be more difficult. Uh, I, I hope not, um, and if so, we, we need to be aware of that and work on it as well. But I, I applaud the process and the potential of the different ways of communication that uh, we're seeing. I think some of the messages that I've heard and that I've sensed are, are important. Like, for example, I think that we are discovering, even in the midst of a long, hard days, that, that we're more resilient than we ever thought we were. Um, we're more creative than I think that we ever gave ourselves credit for. This, this podcast being one of many examples of that. <laughs> um, I think um, our, our immediate reaction has been, and we've talked a little bit about this already, to reach out with hope rather than hunker down in spite of uh, social distancing and trying to be obedient to that and respectful of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's given us uh, platforms to discuss and share our hearts uh, regarding increasingly relevant issues and important matters in our communities, in our society. It has, um, when I'm thinking about now the Sunday morning worship experiences that we are seeing helped us to focus for the, for the most part on the spirit and sharing the gospel in, uh, in, in a new way, different way, but a very, clear way i found officers are just very clear about the gospel message more so than at other times may i say that in all honesty yeah um i, I think we're discovering together together with without having to be told or knocked over the head by this um we're discovering what is mission critical and what might not be what might not be and i think we're also in the process assessing and maybe this is in the background, the parts of the structure are structures that hinder and what parts of the structure um, help. And I think that uh, there's an honest 
evaluation of that going on. I, I know that at territorial headquarters, we are we have been in very important conversations about that. Um, uh, we think it's important that the Lord is that we that we take advantage of what the Lord has given us through this crisis uh, moment. Um, so just just a few of those things that have kind of popped up in my heart and mind as we as we viewed the the varied ways and vast ways in which people have uh, have expressed faith in the gospel. I mean, Heidi was part of a women's ministries conference that was a week long and it was virtual for a week. And she had to wait a whole week until it was her opportunity to uh, <laughs> speak to the troops. But uh, oh, you, we, we taped it from our home, from our living room. I, I wish... TMI, TMI. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> oh my gosh. Our living room was a mess trying to get the right <laughs> camera angle. It would, yep. Oh, it was a mess. But it came, uh, hopefully it came through. But anyways, those are the kinds of things that are... But our first attempt, uh, Major Viquez said, this was a Latin retreat. She mm. says, Commissioner, just give us a little try. Put it on live and just tell the ladies you're looking forward to seeing them in just a few minutes. So go get your Bibles, etc." So I did that. And then I get all these texts back. You're laying on your side, Heidi. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> we had the phone the wrong way. Oh, my God. We do the phone. So anyways. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, this past Sunday, all I had to do for the the service, what like was to like do the welcome and announcements and we were like pre-recording everything. It took me an hour. And like, I just was, I just kept getting frustrated. Like, Oh, the sound in the background isn't right. Like, Oh, I don't look good. Like, Oh, I don't like my background. Like, Oh, like. So this is, this isn't a generational thing. It was awful. Everyone's everyone's trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I imagine Kiri uh, Kier, was standing upright, which is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. No, that's good. That's, that's all good um, insight. Yeah. So, I, yeah, go ahead, Kiri. Yeah, so I think, like, uh, Commissioner, Commissioner Brad, you're kind of, like, edging into this discussion about, like... Mm-hmm. mission critical and what kinds of things hinder or help with with accomplishing the mission and so uh, that kind of like pulls us into this final question which it may be about those things that you're hinting at but it could be something different as well um mm-hmm. but like the question was what are things that need to die and not come back and i gotta credit um amanda this is, that's not really how I talk, right? Is it right, Amanda? Like I don't. I did that. It, yeah, this is yeah. this is Amanda. This is my like, language. Her, yeah, Amanda has powerful language. That I use powerful language sometimes, but that not necessarily those kinds of. Wow, you're really yeah, going deep. I, this. No, it's not that big. No, I got the bus you, totally under the bus, Amanda. Sorry. No, it's it's just because it's so unnatural for me to say a phrase like that. That's why I want to give her, um, you know quote-unquote credit, credit. <laughs> for what you think is a weirdly questioned yeah, question out of my mouth um but like so in general like you, you know there's some things that maybe we can just like 
let it go and move on? And then what are things that we need to keep pursuing as a territory? Like from, so from where you guys are sitting in your perspective, what you're seeing, you know, what might some of those things be on either side of it? I, before, you know, when I read the question, uh, I, I said to myself, oh, wow, I, I don't, I'm not quite ready for specifics yet. Mm. Still processing everything. And we realize things haven't settled yet. Yeah. And I mean, Brad might be more specific than I am, but I sort of, my reaction was before, you know, a lot of pruning takes place, although things are naturally either living or dying right now. Mm. Um, I guess as territorial leaders, we have to be very careful and we mm-hmm. need to understand how to lead with spiritual authority and not say flippant things or make flippant decisions because the trickle down is very quick and uh, for the good or the bad of it, um, you know, it can, it can affect us. So, you know, as, as officers, all of our officers on the field, our soldiers to be prayed up, to be open-hearted, um, well-informed in touch with the field on our part, um, slow to jump to conclusions and, and, and be kind and patient, but while at the same time moving forward, because, you know, God has our attention and, uh, this is not a moment that we want to waste or lose. I think, I think our officers have earned a bigger platform for the Salvation Army. I don't think it was given to us, but we have a bigger platform today because of COVID-19 and we do not want to waste that. By the same token, we are saying we cannot go back. An army does not retreat. It goes forward. So you can look forward uh, to, to some, some changes that will take place. I think what we have to learn to do is to look each other in the eye and say no to some things. And then we will also need to learn to confidently say yes to some things that will be popular with some people and not so with others. But that is, that is leadership. Um, we're all still in the dark, if you will, but, but leaders are called upon to lead their people through the darkness. And so, um, my prayer is that we would, we would have spiritual authority to do that with grace and kindness and confidence. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it's important to understand as well that as, as leaders, all of us, and in this case, you're asking us about the territory. Mm-hmm. While you know we we will speak into um, what will happen in the future, it's never in isolation, and I think I, I think I want people to know that. I mean, I can imagine uh, you guys um, when you have some conversation, you have conversations with your peers over the phone, over whatever ways you communicate with each other, and you're having bad days or good days. You share that with each other. When you're having some challenges or you want to have a decision to make in terms of your own life or ministry, even uh, you, you come together. Uh, that's not any different for us at all, uh, just because we happen to be territorial leaders. So many conversations with our cabinet, but also many conversations with our peers. Um, with our peers, not only in terms of the responsibility, but peers of in terms of, of Friends whom we've relied on for deep, uh, honest, transparent conversations about many themes, and so um, many of the thoughts that are coming are, are, are coming to the forefront now are a result of of those conversations and and, and those moments of prayer together. So I want you to know that that this is not uh, 
in a vacuum or it's not in isolation. And as Heidi also said, I don't know if it's specific yet because we are, it, it is a process. We'd be irresponsible if it wasn't a process. Mm-hmm. But if from those conversations, I just want to share a couple of things that I think that I believe in and I believe them to be true and that will probably be a, a springboard toward or are a springboard already um, towards uh, what, what could possibly happen in the future. Um, even though COVID-19 has been devastating in some ways, I don't know that we've ever been in a better position than today to focus on mission-critical mission ministry and to perhaps place ourselves or some would say even posture ourselves for uh, doing mission in a, in a much clearer clean, holistic way. I think that we're in a good, the COVID-19 is giving us this gift to be able to think of what we do and how we do it freely. Now, not as free as we think sometimes, but certainly freer than ever before. I think I, I, I want to say that. We've never been in a position than right now to, if need be, in some areas of our or, organization to re-engineer the way the Salvation Army does business. We're already seeing effects of that, both in an effort to uh, streamline uh, processes, to redeploy finances. I've got to tell you, at THQ, every DHQ has been tested. We've tested ourselves, and we've tested every DHQ, and they've tested themselves, and you probably are already hearing about it down to to whatever appointments uh, on the field. What is it that we're spending our money on? What's essential and what isn't? And, uh, you know, that that involves some hard decisions, some hard determinations. And yet I think this whole experience is calling us to that. We've never been in a better position than right now to evaluate what programs we need to increase, which ones we might need to decrease and maybe not kill. <laughs> but stop altogether to change just a little bit the verbiage there as uh, as we try to kind of target in on what missional effectiveness looks like. Um, I, I think this experience has helped us filter up uh, the basic and powerful elements of mission. What's coming afloat for that? I think urgency... Uh, urgency has a tendency, let me see, to, to allow us to scrub away, as I said earlier, the fluff, if you will, and get to the meat of mission. Um, connections, genuine concern, looking for ways to be of practical service. I mean, we do some of this, but I think we need, I need, uh, I, I think we need more laser focus with that. I think we, in order for transformation to to occur, there needs to be a sense of urgency. We need to do something. And if COVID-19 has gifted us anything, it has gifted us in some ways with a sense of urgency. You know, before we, let's just be honest, there are some things that we have been struggling with for a while uh, in terms of uh, uh, mission effectiveness. You know, I don't want to talk about stats, but that is one. Uh, demonstration of that. There are others as well. Um, but I think we have now 
in our hands a sense of urgency. All of us, all of us. And I think that's a gift from God to say, okay, things are not ever always going to be the same way that they've always been. I can change these things in a flash. And I think he's saying to us, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? And I want to be able to answer that for myself. And I want to be able to answer that um, uh, with good reasoning uh, on behalf of the part of the Salvation Army that we are responsible for at this particular time. I think another part that it is putting kind of a laser focus on for me is, um, and this might or might be agreed upon by those who are listening, but I think it's moving us away from a pastoral model of doing officership. I love being having pastor as part of what I do, but I've always said it is only part of what I do. And I think it is allowing us to see the effectiveness of a, the model of being a community leader, which emphasizes sharing the gospel and meeting human needs while meeting human needs, perhaps we should say, uh, without discrimination. And, you know, most officers, Amanda, you, you too could speak to this. People are looking to you for guidance and direction and uh, for an embrace uh, that are not part of your congregation at all. They're people you're coming in contact, even when you're buying the food and it's raining and you're waiting for it to kind of dissipate a little bit before you run to the car, you're making mm-hmm. connections. Uh, that is part of who we are as Salvation Army officers. Are you a pastor in that moment? Are you a leader? Are you, uh, you one who's giving direction? I think we're all of that. And I think that relegating ourselves to a pastoral model of doing officership alone, we're cutting ourselves short. And even more important than that, I don't think that we're doing what we as salvationists were meant to do. Maybe others were meant to do that, but not us. And so it's interesting because a friend of mine has, this is not my own idea, he's he's calling this mission statement 2.0. And he says, it's very simple, preach or share the gospel of Jesus while meeting human needs. Not and human needs, but meeting human needs, but while meeting human needs in his name without discrimination. Um, I think we need to operate from a a one army where all this makes us one army. Sorry. That's my my father. (laughs) Even at 62, he checks up on me, (laughs) which is good. So anyways, all of this to say is that uh, I think that we're in a position now to to really look at all of this and and to not let this crisis go to waste, as Winston Winston Churchill once said. Don't let the crisis, any crisis, go to waste. We don't want it to go to waste today either. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I think there's, and this has kind of come up in some of our episodes, um, there's this general feeling of not wanting to go back to what it was before, Mm -hmm. you know? And so everything you're saying, this like urgency, this evaluation of programs, this how really looking at how we're spending money. Um, looking at how we do business, that's good. Uh, a focus on mission and a holistic one, 
yes, like those are all, all, all good things. Um, and it's, it's encouraging to hear you guys say some of that same thing of like, we're not going back, you know, um, because that's been my fear. Like what's going to happen? What's going to happen in whenever the fall or like, and I'm just going to be, you know, and this is just one example and I'm going to say it because probably everybody's thinking it, but you know, I have, don't get me wrong. I love coming together for divisional events. I love coming together for territorial events. Those are all good community things. Also, it fills my calendar to a point of anxiety. Mm. Um, and then because of the amount of things that I'm required to go to, whether that's the county stuff, because we have weekly county meetings and committee meetings and then divisional meetings. And then all of those things add up to a point where I'm like, I don't even want to do any of that stuff anymore mm. because it's too much. Like I have no room to breathe, you know? So even something as basic as that, like having a break to say, you know what? I don't want to go back to that. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to go back to community. I want, of course, we have to have some meetings. Like I get that. Um, but what, how can we make those times that we gather together meaningful? Mm -hmm. Um, how can we maybe just kind of decrease some of the busy that we're doing that is not effective or helping um, kingdom things. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and that's just one example of something that I think about, like when we, when we go back to normal, um, I don't want to do that. Something that you said, uh, commissioner Brad, this moving away from the pastoral, mm -hmm. I, I wanted I don't know what the right word is. Obviously, I'm not great at choosing words. Thanks, Kiri. No, you're, um, you you just pick different words than I would pick. <laughs> it's not bad. Like, I, I want to challenge that a little bit because I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think for me, what's happened is that pastor, that word, has been and should have been expanded. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't just be pastor means... Sunday morning, Bible study, preaching, playing my ukulele pretty horribly, but leading worship, um, doing all those things, doing Bible study, doing women's ministry, more of the pastoral things that we think of, um, waiting for people to come into the building. Um, so that idea, plus the idea of gospel, I think has been challenged as well. Gospel is not just this, okay, like let's get everybody saved and into church and now we're great. And we kind of try mm -hmm. to figure out what discipleship looks like. No, like gospel is holistic. Mm -hmm. Gospel means that people get saved. Gospel means that whole communities get saved. Mm -hmm. Gospel means that families are transformed and that, that like, there's this whole thing, right? So pastor to me is all of that. Like pastor is me being out in my community and bringing the light of Christ, you know? So the way it's almost like the, maybe it's the wording. I don't think we're moving away from pastoral things. I think that we're expanding what that looks like. And we need to embrace that every single thing that we do is for Christ. Um, and we need to live that out. 
I don't know. That's just some yeah. of my. And, and I think kind of to like address what you're saying too, Amanda, like um, there, I found, so I've been listening to the podcast. Uh, oh man. Quick to listen that Christianity today puts out. And I don't listen to it like faithfully, but like off and on. And they had a really great episode about like, um, they interviewed a pastor in the city of Chicago um, on the South side. And they were just, and it was incredible to hear his witness of what it looks like to be a pastor in the middle of the coronavirus. Um, and it, and so I, I do think like to kind of, you know, go with what you're saying, Amanda is like, pastor can be as um, all encompassing as the person who's wearing that title. You know, like if I, if I'm seeing, Oh, me being a pastor means I'm showing up to, I don't know, the school board meeting, you know, like that is perfectly pastoral, but not all pastors and people who call themselves pastor or think about being a pastor sometimes people will be like, well, I'm just the pastor. I'm not going to the school board meeting. And I think maybe that's what um, the commissioner is getting. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting because all that you, all the, all the words that you used, Amanda, and rightly so to describe what, how you, you, all the words that you use to describe um, what you feel a person that is covenanted to be used by God to lead up, to lead others. You defined what Salvation Army officership is, mm-hmm. including pastor, that community, the transformational piece as well, and uh, fellowship and and leadership. What what and and that that was the, that has always been the context. That's always been the definition of a Salvation Army officer. That there, we went through and have gone through a period of time when we pulled out and we tried to dissect that and said, well, this is officership, but I, I'm really called to be, like, like Kiri said, a pastor. And they dissected all that you included in your definition. Hmm. And, and I think that the, what we were left with, even within the ranks of the Salvation Army, and I, I've heard it said, you know, I wasn't called to be an officer I was called to be a pastor and yet here they are as Salvation Army officers so then obviously then we go into this dialogue about what you know what Salvation Army officership is and that it incorporates obviously these quote-unquote pastoral roles but it is more holistic and so I I think that we're we agree yeah fully on this it's just where are we what's the context that we're coming to it from is I think what is the essence for me right now. And that is, I'm not coming to it from a pastoral and then making that a bigger role. I'm coming to it from as a Salvation Army officer, which includes my pastoral, which absolutely, absolutely agree. It's the gospel and it's discipleship and it's holiness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's living like Christ and for Christ in a broken world and that's what we need to teach ourselves and teach our people to do and model it for our people so it's interesting you know we we are coming to it from various different ways but in in my definition i guess i'm coming to it from uh, the broader what i think is a broader definition which is a salvation army officership which encompasses pastoral and you're, you're 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 saying we can also broaden what pastoral really is defined as and the definition for pastoral 
we didn't get it from ourselves. Unfortunately, we got it from some other denomination. He says, I want to do what they do. And what they do is called being a pastor. That's what I want to do within the ranks of the Salvation Army. And to be honest, it's caused a lot of uh, uh, mm -hmm. concern. Yeah. And it's caused people to be frustrated because they couldn't fulfill that particular role within a context that's called uh, the Salvation Army. Yeah. I don't know if that means. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I just think one of the ways we can stay on track with this, because COVID-19 has made us ask the question, who is the Salvation Army? Who am I as a member of the Salvation Army? And I think the Salvation Army is a story. It is a story with a rich history. It is not an army of stats. It's an army of stories. And the stats are the people in those stories. So this has clearly taught us. Absolutely. Let's, let's have good stories that we can, can have with people um, by spending time with them. And, uh, you know, scarcity creates desire. That's another gift I think that we have gotten from COVID. People are wanting to be together again. And that's another gift that we don't want to lose. Um, I just, these are not my words, and I, I would close with this, but they're good words. Uh, a, a Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, begins one of his essays with the following words. These are Christian reflections. They are not about love, but about great works of love. So I, I feel that that is the Salvation Army. It's a great work of love. So whatever the pruning looks like in the future, whatever we talk about, whatever we decide, whatever we look like, whatever we redesign or uh, whatever we take a risk on, we want our choices to be grounded in truth and lived out in great works of love. And uh, I love 1 John three eighteen. let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. May it be so in our Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that that has not ever been any more critical? That's never been, it's not ever been any more critical today, not only for the Salvation Army, but in terms of what is happening in the USA today, uh, today in terms of what's happened in Minneapolis. Um, we need to be out um, and had conversations with, with the division and have shared with them, and I will share with, with you that. Um, we as a Salvation Army, need, we belong on the street, um, not throwing stones, not, not burning up buildings, not looting places, but st standing side to side with people that are suffering, people that are even angry, people that are frustrated, people that feel like they're secondary, people that are broken, and uh, not shy away from that. Uh, there have been times in throughout our history at times, and do we show up? Do we not show up? And uh, I think it's time for us to show up. Uh, uh, my, uh, you know, we talked and we prayed, uh, Heidi and I, about the post yesterday. I have to tell you, and I said, uh, it's it's the time. And uh, I, I believe it was inspired by by the Spirit. Um, and and I believe that we, as a Salvation Army, need to be come alongside. Literally, not not just figuratively, not in, just in terms of our words, 
but uh, we need to come alongside, especially those in our community that are, are being treated the way they are being treated. Um, so, so for what it's worth, I think uh, that certainly the idea of us uh, love in action is certainly mm -hmm. something that is absolutely relevant mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Today. Thank you. I think, man, I, we could sit here and talk a long time. Um, <laughs> there's so much that, you know, I feel like we just barely started the conversation. Um, and so maybe there'll be a chance for us to join together and, and talk even more. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's a, a great way to close. Um, I want to have further conversations about, um, the murders that are occurring, um, all around our nation. Um, I, I thank you for posting that. I think, um, for those of you who don't know what we're referring to, uh, commissioner Brad made a, a Facebook status, um, that was very meaningful. Um, so check that out. You might get a lot of friend requests, uh, but I, we, we can't be silent anymore. We, and, and we, and I'm going to just say specifically, um, as a white person, um, when I stay silent, I'm just kind of going along with whatever's going on. I have to do the work. I have to figure out what does it look like for me as a white person to, um, figure out what's going on in my own brain and mind, the, the prejudices, the biases that I have. I need to educate myself on what's going on and not just hide behind whatever privilege I have. Um, I have been feeling that, especially as a leader of a predominantly black community. Um, and we, we can all do better. Yes. The Salvation Army as a whole can do better. How we do leadership, how we um, all of it. So all of that to say, it's an ongoing conversation that we need to keep having. Um, and I'm grateful that people are now mm -hmm. saying something. Um, and I hope we keep saying things. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's interesting. This isn't a political issue. This is a humanity issue. Yes. I want to yes. connect the dots here again, as we were sharing earlier in the conversation with uh, Lieutenant Colonels Richardson, and of course, um, the Ajos now as well, um, and others who were at the forefront of Ferguson. Yeah. And we thought that that might be the ultimate. We knew better. And then now just a few years later, here we are again um, uh, in Minneapolis, going, we were just describing the same exact situations the same exact situations that triggered all of this again, and for the same exact reasons, um, which have quite a bit to do with privilege or not privilege, have quite a bit to do with the economy, the opportunities we have to actually earn a living for my own family and feed my family like I should, and not being able to have that opportunity. It's, 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 it's all encompassing. But I, the Lord has called us uh, today, I think, in these days to, again, wake up and say, hey, um, I brought you to life as a Salvation Army for extraordinary times such as these. So let's step up. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for, for being here, for, for doing this. Um, 
it was good. It's good. And I, I'm excited for um, what God does, continues to do through the Salvation Army. I'm excited to be part of it. I want, I want us to be better. I want us to be more like Jesus. Um, and I think we have a great opportunity uh, to move forward in that. So thank you uh, for, for being here. Kiri, do you have closing thoughts? Um, I, so I know when I had sent my email, I keep thinking about this, uh, the Bible verse in revelation chapter four and just like the, that, like there's that whole chapter where it's describing the worship to God that is taking place. And like, um, like thinking of the metaphor of be of a door, like there's this door standing open in heaven and thinking about like the Jesus was preaching, the kingdom of heaven is near. And, um, like the image that I always am thinking about, like that's been really powerful to me lately in the middle of all of these things. And I know like, there's a bunch of ways where like, I'm not doing the best job or whatever, but like we each are a door to heaven. Like, you know, like we can bring the kingdom of God wherever we are. Um, like that, that is something that we carry in our hearts. Like when we have the Holy spirit living with us and like, just like thinking about the kingdom of heaven is not full of murder and it isn't full of hate and isn't full of suspicion and like nonsense, you know? And like, if we are protecting our um, door or whatever, like keeping that door open to heaven, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but like I, that image has been really powerful to me personally in this season of like, like worship is happening and it's on multiple levels, but it's in heaven that, all of creation is worshiping God and like being able to like keep bringing that with us, like showing up with that in mind. Like it's, it's a kingdom issue. It's a gospel issue. Like all of these things are. And like, I, I don't know how to do things. And like when, whenever people try to tell me how to do stuff, like I, I always get kind of, I have weird responses about that um but like i i do i don't know just that image about being a door yeah i don't know like having that door in our heart and having that door be open it's powerful yeah 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 i know we're closing off but i think you, you you just triggered this um one of my favorite stories in the scriptures you've heard me share before i'm sure is is a story of the four friends that they know that they have a friend in need. They, they cannot themselves help this friend. So, but they do what the best thing that they can do, which is they, they make a way, they figure out a way. They're creative in figuring out a way to get this friend before Jesus. Because Jesus, the door, Jesus is the one that can take mm-hmm. care of us, that can heal. And I think that if we, if we could figure out ways to bring people to Jesus and get out of the way and having the faith to believe that Jesus is present now today and that he wants to heal. Mm -hmm. He wants to change. 
Mm-hmm. He wants to make us more like him, but sometimes we get in the way. And in that in that story, you know, we we take our friend and we try to do the healing rather than doing whatever is needed to do to make sure that that friend gets before Jesus in our day to day that that friend gets before the gospel. Mm-hmm. That friend knows that there is a Jesus that loves him and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is our that is our opportunity and our privilege, mm-hmm. and, and that is I think what being part of the door. We're not the door. We're we're pointing people to the door, and and who's at that door? It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I that's that's you know the older I get, I, I it just it's, it, it, it's it's becoming much simpler for me rather than more complicated. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that, and yet it says. Beautiful as that, and as powerful as that, and as awesome as that. Yeah. Bring people to Jesus. Yeah. That's good. For the invitation. It's been great to share with you today. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. It's been fun. I hope it'll be a fun listen for, for our listeners. Yeah. I'm sure everybody listening has been challenged in some way. At least you're leaving this podcast thinking, um, how yeah. how can we point people to Jesus? Um, what's that look like? So invite us again. We've enjoyed the company. <laughs> yes. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. On the road. <laughs> Stand in the darkness, your eyes.